Hi, welcome to another episode of When the Scriptures Become Real. In a podcast where we learn, where we study, where we grow, try to become the best versions of ourselves as we can, as we continue to serve our Lord. Again, I just want to remind you with the podcast, you can find it uh, anywhere your podcasts are available. Uh, you can find the podcast um, on the Apple Podcast for sure. Uh, you could also find it anywhere else like iHeartRadio, Breaker, uh, Spotify. You can find it there. And then for um, you Android users, it's everywhere where you can find um, your podcast for your Android phone. Uh, so I appreciate, again, your support of, of the podcast, and I want to continue to learn with you. You know, I want to continue to grow. I want to continue to study with you as we study these topics together, and I hope that, you know, as the years go by and as we continue to grow and you grow along with me and I with you, uh, that the podcast can really do some good and can really uh, help all of us. So I want to talk about starting over, starting over. You know, like when you play um, like Monopoly or uh, or Sorry, you know, those uh, those board games, you know, that there's always a point in the game where you've built yourself up to a certain point, whether you're playing solo or whether you're playing with a teammate, whether you're by yourself or with your whether you're with another person, you build up what you have to a certain point. You know, so like in Monopoly, like you build up your houses or you build up your hotels or you build up your bank account, right? You you build up to get to a certain point to win the game. But if you're not careful in the game, if you draw the wrong card or if you uh, draw the wrong number on the dice, everything that you built up can be gone within one swift moment and you have to start back at square one. And then from square one, you have to rebuild again to get to that point. And as I was kind of thinking about that idea, that ideology of starting over, you know, I I thought about that. How do we how do we handle that when we have to do that in life? You know, because sometimes in life. You build, whether by yourself or with another person, you build something to a certain point. And when you build something, it takes hard work to build anything, right? A structure, uh, you know, in sports, a team, it, it takes a long time to really build something that works. <clears throat> and you take your time and you build and you build and you build and you work towards your goals and you work towards where you want to go and you work towards, uh, you know, the life that you, that you, that you perceive that you want, right? You work towards it. But then sometimes in life, don't we have times where it feels like what we built, it was literally torn down and you have to start from square one. You know, that can be, <clears throat> that can be a devastating feeling. To, to have built something to a certain point. Sorry, I'm in my office, so the phone's ringing here. But, it, you know, you build, you build to a certain point. And, and after you build to that certain point, then you got to start over. You know, and that's the hardest thing is literally starting over. But 
you know, sometimes when you have to start over, you think about everything that you've done to get to the point that you were before you fell. You see what I'm saying? That's hard. Think of this example. You remember, for you sports fans, maybe it was about two or three years ago, but you remember when, and this was, you know, big in the headlines, the Lakers were playing the Golden State Warriors, and this is when Kobe was still playing, Kobe Bryant. And Kobe did a move that he's done throughout his 17, 18-year career trillions of times. But when he made that move, he tore his Achilles. And after he tore his Achilles, he had enough strength to get up and finish the finish, you know, the play, uh, make his two free throws, and walk off on his own power. Which I've torn my ACL before. Uh, I was able to do the same thing he did because of adrenaline, but not a lot of people can get back up and walk after you tore an ACL. So he goes back into the locker room and they're interviewing him. And you can see his eyes are bloodshot red. I mean, he he was in there bawling, crying, right? <clears throat> but one reporter told him, "Man, if anybody can come back from this, it's you." And he was, you know, he just shook his head and just put his head down. And he just did. He just recently did an interview of that specific interview, and he said, "When I put my head down, he said I was thinking about." everything I had to do up to that point and then it was all taken away and then the biggest part that was so hard for me to believe was I got to start from scratch and start over to even get to where I was I mean and that's that's a that's a thing that can hurt us and we feel like man how can we do this again I just I built this thing for so long Now it's torn down. Sometimes we don't want to start over. So what do we do? You know, when we think about starting over, it can be a daunting task. Um, But for the Christian, sometimes in life, we we have to start over. You know, remember, you know, in Colossians 3, when the Lord talks about if you're risen with Christ, then you'll put these things on, but then you also take some things off. You know, sometimes we got to start over. You know, sometimes even as a Christian person, the person you used to be, you got to change and you got to keep growing with who you should be. And sometimes you got to start over. You know, I was thinking about this, too. Uh, I graduated from the Memphis School of Preaching in 2017. And throughout those two years, it was a lot of growth. Um. I grew a lot. I was challenged in a lot of ways. Um, But the two years after school were the hardest two years that I've had personally. Because I had to totally, I had to totally reinvent myself. What do you, what do you mean? You came from a preaching school. So why why are you saying you had to reinvent yourself? I had to learn, um, how to become humble. I had to learn how to uh, trust the Lord. I had to learn how to endure. I had to learn how to um, how to be a better brother. I had to learn a lot of things. And during that time, I felt like what we talked about before. I felt like I've, I've built something up to that point 
in 2017. And after I left the school, the day after I left, I had to start over again. I felt like I just had to start from scratch. And I had a um, moment like Kobe had as well to where when you start over, you think about how long it took to build what you just built. But now when you're starting over again, you're like, man, can I do that again? And I literally had to start from the ground up again. Right. And so during those times, um, there were there were very dark times. There were very dark hours. Um, There were times I wanted to quit. There were times where I questioned my decision to go to the school of preaching. There were times I questioned my path in life. There were times where I questioned, um, you know, what if what if I didn't do this or what if there was a lot of that going on. But that's a part of the process. Right. And so that's a part of the process of being what Christ wants you to be. Colossians chapter three. But I want you to notice this. I, I want to show you this book here. And I, I've actually ordered this book for a couple of my friends in the past. <clears throat> but if you can see it, I know there's a little glare, but it says when God writes your love story by Eric and Leslie Ludy. Now, I'm not going to bring up a point about love, but I want to bring up a principle. <clears throat> the principle is this. Oswald Chambers said this before. <clears throat> he said, if our hopes are being disappointed, or in other words, you have to start over, or in other words, you have to get better, or in other words, you're transforming yourself to be better. He said, if our hopes are being disappointed right now, it just means that they're being purified. There is nothing more noble that the human mind has ever hoped for or, or dreamed for that cannot be fulfilled. One of the greatest strains in life is the strain of waiting for God. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, what's my job? This is what he says. Remain spiritually tenacious. I thought about that. And that's our answer. To remain spiritually tenacious. Well, what is what's what do you mean? How do I how do I remain that way? Well, first off, you have to remember the God we serve and what He can do. If you look at Ephesians three, Ephesians three twenty, look at the principle that's being spoken about God here. And again, with this podcast, we study the Scripture. We study, uh, you know, the Scriptures are a springboard for everything that we do. But if you notice Ephesians three. Verse number 20, it says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, notice, but according to the power that worketh in us. So notice the God that we serve. You know, when we start over, we feel like we're doing it by ourselves. But when we start over, guess who we have right there next to us? We have the same God that can do exceeding abundantly above all that we can even ask or think. That's why this guy said there's nothing that the human mind can think of that God can't fulfill. Right? There's nothing that the human mind can think of that God can't fulfill. God can do anything he wants to do. But he requires us to do something. He requires us to remain spiritually tenacious. Well, what, what does that mean, spiritually tenacious? 
I was talking to a friend of mine a few years ago, and, um, you know, they were having problems, and they were struggling in life, and they were wondering how they can, you know, how they can get better, right, how they can do better. And one thing I remember telling them was, you can't think about where you want to go. You got to think about the next day. You got to win the day. And uh, and that's one thing that my parents have taught me is, you know, you can't think too far into the future. You just have to focus on, on today. And so remaining spiritually tenacious, well, what does that mean? It means that you have to remain faithful today. And then guess what you have to do tomorrow? Do the same thing. You see, you, you change your mindset. Because when you think too far of what's ahead, you're going to get discouraged because guess what? You're not even close to being there. And that's why that example we used with Kobe Bryant, he tore his Achilles. You don't come back fully from an Achilles for about a year. So Kobe can't think about next season. He has to think about how am I going to rehab tomorrow? I got to go through surgery tomorrow. Then I got to rehab tomorrow. Then I got to rehab the next day. You got to focus on the next day rather than a year from now. So, and again, in terms of context with this book, this book is talking about singles waiting for the Lord to bring someone into their life. So the premise of the book is, I know singles, you want to be married one day. I know singles, you want to have someone special in your life one day, but you have no idea when that's going to happen. And so it can be daunting to know every day that this person may or may never come into my life. But instead of thinking so far in the future, he's saying remain spiritually tenacious today. You know, in the scriptures, the Bible always talks about focusing on today. Remember, he says, for today is the day of salvation. So when I know what to do, should I wait till tomorrow? Or should I wait? I should do it now. For today is the day of salvation. And so, you know, you think about this concept of starting over. It can be very, um, it can be a daunting task, but it can be, It can be solved with the right mindset. Now, let me bring this point up as well. When you start over, you know, one thing that, remember, because we're talking about how daunting this task can be, when you start over, you have to be spiritually strong and have your faith uh, in check. How do you know that? Remember in Luke chapter 15, Luke chapter 15, remember we have the account um, of the prodigal son here. And remember after he wasted his father's living and he was sitting there eating slop with the pigs in the mud, he came to himself and then he went back to his father's household. You know, sometimes when you're that low, sometimes you're not going to have the encouragement from other people. But what, are you, what are you talking about? You know, as Christians, shouldn't we want to uh, encourage one another and do? Yes, for sure. But sometimes you won't have it. And I, I've seen, <clears throat> I've seen so many Christians quit 
because they're not getting encouragement from other Christians on a daily basis or when they need it. So when they don't get that encouragement, then they quit. Am I saying that Christian encouragement is not important? No. Am I saying that Christian encouragement is not a helpful tool? No, I'm not saying that. But here's what I'm saying. Christian encouragement shouldn't be the meat of your faith. What are you talking about the meat? Let me let me break it down this way. You ever been a Cracker Barrel before? I already know, right? I already know you have. So if you go to Cracker Barrel, which is a country restaurant, and you order a country plate. So let's say you order, you know, chicken fried steak, you know, with that with that mac and cheese boy. <laughs> right? With that mac and cheese, right? Green beans, got something to drink, right? Then they put gravy on top of the steak. So let me ask you a question. Is the gravy the meal or is the steak the meal? The steak is, right? So the gravy only adds to the meal. That's what Christian encouragement is. The Christian encouragement only adds to your own personal faith. So your own personal faith is the meat. Gravy is other people encouraging you. Now, let me ask you this. Well, what if you don't have that? What if you don't have brethren encouraging you? What if you don't have brethren sending you texts? What if you don't have brethren sending you cards? What if you don't have the support of your brethren? Are you strong enough mentally to keep going? Because we we throw a lot on the prodigal son, but we have to give him credit here in Luke 15. Did he sin? Yes. Did he fall? Yes. Did he make mistakes? Yes. Was he at his lowest point in life? Yes. But in order to remember, he must have had some type of faith. Because he remembered what he used to have. And he's saying, you know what? I'm going to get no one. Who was there to encourage the prodigal son to get up? Was his was his brother there? No. Were his were his so-called friends there for him? So guess who had enough spiritual fortitude? We don't give him enough credit. Because when you're at your lowest of lows and when you're knocked down, whether by your choices or whether by God knocking you down. When you're that low, some people are so low that they will stay there because they don't believe they can get up personally. And number two, no one encourages them that they can get up. So they stay in the mud, Luke chapter 15. But when you're in the mud, because I've been there and I know you've probably been there too. When you're in that mud and you have no encouragement, it's dark. No one's there. No one, no one's saying that they believe in you. You get none of this. It takes spiritual fortitude to get yourself up out of that mud and walk. It takes, it, it's hard. It is very hard. But you have to have that spiritual fortitude within yourself, whether I have the gravy, whether I have people encouraging me, or whether I don't. I have to have the strength to get up and to get out of the mud and keep walking. I've literally seen, and this is why Christianity is a is a religion of the mind, not of the of feeling. I've seen so many people 
So many Christian people, I've seen them, once they get into that mud, they stay there because no one's there encouraging them to get up. Now, as Christians, should we be there? I'm not saying we shouldn't be there. But when Christian people aren't there, then they just stay there and they never come back. Or if they come back, they never come back the same. So do you understand why? When we're talking about this concept of starting over, you have to have the ability to stand on your own faith. I remember I used to tell a friend of mine, look, even whether I'm here or whether I'm not here, you have to be strong enough to stand by yourself because you got Because God's stronger than I could ever be. So you have to trust in God. I used to tell my friends that all the time. You, know, you got to. I still tell my friends that you have to trust God more than you trust me. And, you know, sometimes in trusting God, you got to stand by yourself. Notice it. And again, I'm telling you, y'all got to get this book. This is one of the most practical books um, I've ever read. But it also speaks about uh, about standing alone. And some it says we need to gain the strength to stand by ourselves. Again, this is talking about in the context of singleness, but we can use that principle as well. Notice it says loneliness is a required course. Notice it is a required course for leadership. It says during your loneliness, God uses that to show you complete dependence on him. And notice I could no longer look to other people for my confidence. I had no choice but to find my courage and hope in him. And I'm going to be honest with you. I used to be that guy. What guy? I used to be the guy. My confidence came with other people's validation of me. Well, what are you talking about? If people supported me, if people um, liked me, if people said good things about me, that boosted my confidence like it would every other person, right? Every, that, would, that would boost anybody's confidence. But when I didn't have that, I lost my confidence. And in therefore losing my confidence, I was, depend, I was too dependent on other people's validation of me. But this is why I thank the Lord every day now for those two years after school. Because after school, I was forced, and I think this was the Lord's plan for me, looking back providentially, but I was forced, and I had no choice. I couldn't be, I was dependent on no one else. Obviously, yes, my family's here, but I'm not dependent on my family anymore in terms of like that. Spiritually, I am, but you know, physically, all these other things, I had to put my courage and my hope and my confidence in God. And you cannot do that when you're surrounded by too many people. Sometimes God has to take you out of a situation to put you by yourself in seasons of loneliness. Well, Jordan, that doesn't make sense. There's no biblical examples for that. Okay. What about Joseph in Exodus? Joseph's with his brethren. So Joseph, he's with his brethren, but then he's sold into slavery 
And it seems like he's alone for a long time. He's alone in jail. He's alone as a slave. So guess what course was required for Joseph? Go through the course of leadership. What about Job? Job had friends there who were telling him why he went through what he went through. It was also required for Job for leadership. You know, another, another thing this says is a true leader, and watch the phrasing here. It says a true leader cannot be dependent on companionship. But notice it doesn't end there. He cannot be dependent on companionship for his or her security. You know, and I can relate because I'm telling you, I used to be that guy. I used to be so dependent on people's companion, and not like I don't want people here, but I used to be dependent on their companionship for my security. But I was putting my my trust and companionship in the wrong people when it should have been in the Lord alone. Then it says, singleness or solidarity can give us this type of backbone, courage, confidence, and the leadership skills that any Christian must learn. So he taught Joseph, he taught Job, and he's teaching me about it. I'm required to take this loneliness course for leadership. Right? It's just like college, right? You're required to take a course. You know, throughout throughout um, throughout life and throughout you know the people I've met, and especially at the school of preaching, <clears throat> I'm so happy for my brothers, for the for um, for the great wives that the Lord has provided them. I, I'm it makes me so happy to see them um, with a help meet provided from the Lord. It, it makes me happy to see that they're succeeding. It makes me happy to see that some of them are uh, single when I met them, but you know, now they're have wives and now they have children. It's, it's, it's an amazing thing to see. And I'm, I'm so proud of my brothers of, of what they're doing. Um, but sometimes you got to be honest. Sometimes a, a lot of us that are single, we have that Adam syndrome. What, what are you talking about? The Adam syndrome, <clears throat> the syndrome of, you know, you see all the animals walking two by two and you're Adam and you're naming all of them. And you're saying there's somebody for everybody but me. And so, and just as a side note, a lot of people think that was wrong for Adam to say, well, he, he had God. He, so he should be complete in Christ. And as a single person, you should always, you should have your, you should be complete in Christ, which is true. Should we not be complete in Christ? Yes, we should be. But Adam was kind of showing his humanity there to saying, look, everybody's got somebody, but how come I don't, right? And so sometimes we can get that, we can get that Adam syndrome. But one thing that has helped me and that can help a lot of other people, you know, I don't know why the Lord has done some things in my life. I can't answer that question right now because I'm still going through that course. 
right? I, I don't know. I can't tell you. I, I, can, I can't even try. I don't know why the Lord has brought some things in my life. I don't know why the Lord has taken some things. I don't know. I don't know. I just don't because I can't see that. Um, but what I can do is just like we talked about before is not necessarily look too far into what's not here yet, but continue to develop backbone by myself, continue to develop courage, confidence, and leadership skills by myself. Because if you think about it, courage, confidence, and leadership, and backbone doesn't that sound like what a husband would do? Doesn't that sound like what a leader in the church would do? Yeah. So I don't know why the Lord does what he does to prepare his leaders for things. I don't know. I mean, if if you look back, if you think about Joseph, I wouldn't want I wouldn't voluntarily go through what Joseph went through. I wouldn't volunteer myself to be sold into slavery, to be a slave, to be thrown in jail for two years, to be accused of this. I wouldn't be voluntary to do that. But all those things were required for Joseph. And sometimes we can play this game. Why did the Lord do this? Why would the Lord? I've done that myself. I've asked the Lord um, a lot of things. Why, why did you allow this to happen? Why, you know, should I have gone to the school of preaching? Should I not have gone? Should I have waited to go? Like, there's a lot of whys I can always ask. And I, a lot of answers to my questions right now, I've got none. Just to be honest with you, I don't have any. But even though I don't have any answers, I'm not going to say none. Uh, I have some. I have some because the Lord has provided some answers. But I don't have them all. Like, I don't know the complete reason why. Like, Job didn't know the complete reason why. He went through what he went through. You know, God didn't give him, okay, you went through this, bam, bam. He didn't, right? He just had to have faith. <clears throat> and one thing that that can help all of us is when we find ourselves in certain situations of, of why and, and we're starting over, you know, kind of from square one, <clears throat> one thing that we can do is continue to take this course that the Lord is putting us through. And, you know, he's put me, He's put me through this course. Um, for some reason, he's chosen this um, this course for me at this certain time. Uh, and so if the Lord has enrolled me in this course, I'm taking it. I can't really ask any questions right now. Um, but in terms of starting over, you guys kind of understand what I'm talking about in terms of it can be a daunting task to just to start from scratch and then to wonder how can this come into my life? How is this going to happen? How is that going to happen? You know, why did this happen? That's why it always talked about remain spiritually tenacious for today. That's my job, right? And then days automatically build on to one another. So have a day today. Have a good day today spiritually. Then get up tomorrow and do the same thing. Right, then get up tomorrow and do the same thing. And so <clears throat> instead of being discouraged if you're finding yourself taking this this course of starting over or taking this course of loneliness for leadership, 
instead of being discouraged, take advantage of it. You know, that's one thing that, that's helped me is to take advantage of this course. You know, I don't know what plans the Lord has for me. I can't tell you. You know, I really can't. I don't. Do you? This is just kind of a side thing. But, like, do you ever wonder, you know, what is what is the Lord's ultimate plan for me? Like, what is it? And one thing I can't. I'm counting the days. I can't wait to do this. I can't wait to. I can't wait to know why I'm here and then to look back at every instance in life. Look at the two years at Memphis. Look at the two years at Swick. Look at the two years before that. Look at the two years before that. And to see everything had to happen the way it had to happen in order for me to get to this point. But in order for me to get there so I can look back, in order for me to get there, I have to get up every single day and keep walking, right? Like Luke 15, just like the prodigal son. I got to get up every single day and just keep working. That's all I can do. But when I have that ability like Joseph to look back at, I mean, I'm talking about pinpointing everything and looking back, everything had to happen that, that exact way. I was there for a specific time for this exact reason. To be able to look back and say, number one, man, I'm proud of myself for not giving up. And then two, to look back, man, that moment was terrible. Man, that moment hurt, but I, but it, it worked. You know what I mean? Like there was, a, there was a purpose for it. That's why this happened. But I can't answer that now. I can't. I, I can't wait for that moment. But maybe you have something like that too for your life. You know, that's going to be an awesome moment for all of us, you know, to look back providentially and say, man, the Lord, he knew what he was doing. Even though stuff looked messed up, he knew what he was doing. You know, that's, you see, I'm getting giddy, right? Like that's, I love that. That's awesome. And that's why Joseph could look back and say, look, man, I know at that time we all didn't get it. I know at that time I was growing. I know at that time you were growing too. But the Lord, you meant it for evil, but the Lord meant everything. So so the Lord meant that you throw me in the in the pit, that I was accused, that I was thrown in prison. The Lord meant it for good. The Lord pinpointed my life, even though you hated me. I can't wait to do that. I can't wait to do that. But I'm not there yet. You may not be there yet. So guess what we got to do? We got to keep remaining spiritually tenacious. Win the day. Win the day. Thanks, guys.